We're on lesson nine. Lesson nine, our workbooks. And so um, <coughs> we're coming to a close. It's amazing that we, we're coming to the end of our Sunday school material with answers in Genesis. We'll probably circle back at some point in the future. Um, next quarter, we're actually going to have three adult classes. Three adult classes. We're going to have a foundations class that I'll teach. And we're going to have a class on the book of John. And we're going to have a, a class on the book of Psalm 51. And so in the next coming weeks, we'll have a sign-up sheet. And uh, that way you can get the material for that and we can get the material prepared for those things. Um, one will meet in the couch room over here. Um, one will meet in the library over here. And then one will meet in the, the dining room, uh, the fellowship hall over here. And we're working on getting out of the sanctuary, making Sunday school a little bit, uh, um, well, more like Sunday school. And so uh, be praying for that. And we're looking forward to what God's going to do there. And uh, hopefully that will give you guys a chance to pick some things out that you might want to learn. And uh, um, some of them will last longer than a quarter. Um, some will be a quarter. You can always, uh, any of the classes you can, you can uh, uh, if say you go for 12 weeks and you say, you know what, I'd like to, to get in on, on something else. There's a new class. I want to take that. Um, you, can, you can switch. And, uh, but the goal is that we might know and love the Lord. And grow in, his, in our understanding of His Word. There's only one place that, um, where we can go to know the Lord, and that's His Word. Um, everywhere else um, is just the imagination of man. But God has given us His Word, it, His perfect Word, um, to be able to know Him and, uh, and to enjoy Him. And so, um, continue to be Bible learners this year. Um, how many of you try to read through the Bible once a year? Anybody try to do that here? Um, it's a, it's not, it's not a bad practice at all. In fact, it's something that I've been doing for the past several years. It's been a blessing to me. Um, been a blessing to me actually reading through the book of Malachi now and uh, almost finished up. I'll finish up tomorrow, um, a day ahead of schedule. And so, um, looking forward to, to the next year and what God's going to do there. But I encourage you to, to, uh, have a daily time with the Lord. Uh, it may not be reading the Bible through a year, in a year, but you, we ought to have a daily time with the Lord in His Word, in His Word. And so I'd encourage you, please, um, have a plan um, for knowing the Lord, amen? And, and being in His Word, being in His Word. And one of the other key parts of the Christian walk that we, we ought to have as part of our daily walk with Him Something that we do every day, if not more than once a day, is praying. And uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Or, uh, the, the opportunity we have to come into the throne room of God. And to spend time with Him and talk with Him. And to ask Him to do the things that we find pressing on our own lives. Things that we desire for Him to do and things that only He Himself actually can do. And so, we're on Lesson 9 in our workbooks, and uh, we're going to start there in Philippians chapter 4. Um, Philippians chapter 4, so take your Bibles and turn there with me, Philippians chapter 4. <coughs> 
Philippians chapter 4. Now, if you don't like me to be subdued, I apologize. Today I'm going to be subdued. I don't want to run out of voice before we're done with church today. (laughs) And I've got some kind of uh, thing going on in my sinuses. There's a pray for me in that. But I want to get loud and and, uh, run out of voice. So, of course, you never know what might happen, so be careful. But uh, Philippians chapter 4. We'll look at a couple of passage that, passages today that are, um, I'm so glad that God has given us the whole scriptures. If these weren't in there, we'd, have, we'd be missing something. We'd be missing something. I'm glad that God has put these things in here. And so Philippians chapter 4. Now, who is Philippians written to? Some of these are easy questions. If you know the if you know the Bible a little bit, but who's the book of Philippians written to? Yes, the church in Philippi. Who who writes the book of Philippians? Paul does, and actually, if you look there in Philippians chapter one, that's usually where you can find these contextual understandings. Um, if you look at verse one, who else um, is used by God to author this book? Timothy, Timothy right? And and uh, who is Paul? Who who are Paul and Timothy? Um, who are who is Paul to start off with? That's that's a little easy easy one. Who is Paul? His, he was formerly Saul, right? He persecuted Christians. Um, he's um, what is his role in the kingdom of God? He started churches, and what would, what would his title be? An apostle, right? Paul was an apostle. Who's Timothy? Who's Timothy in relation to Paul? Gail? His spiritual son, right? Um, I'm not sure that Timothy got saved through the ministry of Paul, but um, I think he got saved through the ministry of his grandma and his mom. Um, but he followed after Paul and became one of Paul's right-hand men, right? Um, you see Paul. Uh, you see Timothy and Paul... Um, throughout the the writings of the apostles, uh, the apostle Paul, and so um, these are two people that were very concerned about the churches, and and uh, Timothy actually was given the role of 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 establishing churches after Paul had left. Paul would not spend a lot of time, most of the time, in churches, but um, he would occasionally leave Timothy to stay for a much longer period. Until a pastor could be established in the church. And so um, this was uh, a book written to the Philippian church. And if we start there in verse 6. The scripture says, be careful for nothing. This is uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What are, a, what are the commands that we find in this, in this passage? What are, those, what are the things that God gives us commands here, things that he says to do. Mark? All right, so 
He says, um, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, that's a, that's a command. God says, make your requests known unto me with thanksgiving. Right? And uh, what's the other command there? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Yep. Uh, be, be careful for nothing. Now, what is that? That word careful um, has many definitions. We normally think of the word careful to mean what? Yeah, be safe, right? Be safe. Um, but the, the, the word careful in this context doesn't necessarily mean to be safe. Now, why, why would we say it's, it doesn't mean to be safe? What are some reasons we'd say, well, it doesn't really mean to, to, to avoid danger? Yeah, right? Because what is, number one, who is Paul? Um, was Paul, uh, uh, did he avoid danger? No. no, Paul didn't avoid danger, did he? And, and he doesn't call Christians in any of the epistles, including Philippians, to avoid danger. Now, should Christians seek to be in danger? You know, when we're done today, um, should I go dare people to run me over on 138, play chicken with them? No, that'd be bad. I wouldn't be able to get out of the way of those things anymore. But uh, no, that's not at all what he's saying. But but what is he saying? What is he trying to get across by saying, "Be careful, Peter"? Uh, anxious, don't be be anxious for nothing. That's quite a way. It's my study Bible, but what that word means. Yeah, yeah. In, in other words, don't be filled with fear about what's coming. Right? Don't be filled with fear about what's coming. You know, how many of us have things in our life that we look forward and we say, man, I'm, I'm afraid of, of what might happen, right? I'm afraid of what might happen, definitely. Um, maybe you're afraid of the mortgage bill coming in the mail, right? Or you're, you're, afraid, of, uh, you're afraid of what the doctor's going to say. Maybe you don't even go to the doctor because you're afraid what the doctor's going to say. Like, that's going to change it, right? But as long as I don't go to the doctor, I, 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 I can't get any bad news. Right. But, um, you know, our health can often cause us to to be filled with dread, be filled with fear. What are some other things that cause people to to be afraid of what's coming? The unknown. The unknown. Yeah, absolutely. The things that are unknown. Definitely. Definitely. What else? Gail? Uh, yeah, we, we've had experiences in the past. We figure that's going to happen again. Definitely. Becky? Children, yeah. Children can be can cause us to be, be fearful, right? Gail, uh, job. What, what, what might happen in our job, right? Um, or losing a job or, or um, that kind of thing. Definitely. Ed? Yeah, how much is it going to cost us, right? I, I, the the ding and the 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 pinging in the in the car, right? How much is that going to cost? Yeah, decisions that we have to make is it is it right or wrong or I know it's right, but if I do the right thing, this is going to happen. What's that? Death. Yeah, death can death big one, right? And death is a big one. Death. Biggest thing is when you lack trust in the Lord, you 
Yeah, it could be anything. It really can, can it? It can be just about anything. Relational things, right? What's going to happen between me and my spouse? You know, if I bring this up, my spouse is going to get mad at me. Right? Now, what's God's command? Don't be filled with dread over what's going to happen. Right? What is God's solution is his next part of this command. What is, what's, what's God said? Pray. That's right. That's right. Pray. Be thankful. Ask God to do things being thankful all the time. Right? You know, it's amazing. Here's some things we know about God. He knows what's going to happen in the future. Right? You know, often the things that we think are going to happen in the future are far worse than what actually happens. Right? You know, if I tell my boss this, they're going to get mad at me and and I'm going to have problems at work. If I go and ask for a raise, they're going to say no and and I'll never have I'll never have the right relationship with my boss again. Or or if I um, if I tell my spouse that I don't like when they do this, uh, they're going to yell at me and tell me all the things they don't like. Um, we we roll it around in our minds, figuring we know what's going to happen in the future. Well, who's the only one that knows what's going to happen in the future? God, right? He's the only one that knows. And God is fully capable of changing a person's heart towards us, isn't he? And so he tells us to pray. If you're having trouble with your children and you're anxious about what they might do, how they might handle things, it is essential that we do what? Pray. Right? It's essential. Um, because not only is God capable, not only does God know what's going to happen, but God is fully capable of changing things in the future. He's fully capable of doing that. We can change nothing about the future. God is fully capable of changing anything. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole physiological and, and, uh, I'm not going to have a class on, on, uh, what the future is and what that holds and whether or not the future is fixed or can be changed or anything like that. But I do know that God is all powerful, right? And he doesn't live in time. He lives outside of time and he's able to do anything he wants, right? He can do anything he wants. Um, when we are careful or filled with dread about what's going to happen in the future, what, what does that say about us and our thoughts about God? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're lacking faith in, in God and knowing that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's able to cause all things to work together for good to them that love Him, to those that are called according to His purpose. Even if the, our worst fears come true, does that mean that God has failed? No, He knows everything, doesn't He? He knows everything. You, know, you go to the doctor and you get, you get a diagnosis of, of some bad thing. God, I prayed before I went to the doctor that I wouldn't have that happen to me. Um, what's going on? What, what's, what's wrong? Are you not capable? 
God's got bigger plans than we do for our lives, right? He's able to do, he's got a, a, a he looks at a much bigger picture. And uh, God is able to, through even the worst things that happen in our life, um, bring about glory for himself through our lives. Amen. What are the two communication words in this verse, in this passage? The two words that, that mean communication or have to do with communication. Prayer, supplication. Actually, there's three. Well, okay, there's four. With Thanksgiving, that's right. So there's these these communication words. What are some? What are what do these words mean? What does what does it mean to to pray? What has to do with fellowship? What is the actual definition, though? To ask, right? To ask. And then there's the word supplication. And what does, what is the difference between these two words? Why, why is God being redundant? Peter? Yeah, so we, we go from the, the, the general, Lord, would you watch over my children, to the specific of, you know, my child is becoming disobedient and I need help, Lord. Would you help me to know what to do about this? Right? He's becoming jaded. He, he's uh, not listening to me. And so, um, does, is God against general prayers? But does he want us to stop at general prayers? You know, one of the things I've seen in almost every single one of my children as they learn to pray, they'll start praying, Lord, would you watch over all the children of the world? Right? And is God opposed to that? No, he cares for all the children of the world, doesn't he? But as they grow older, they begin to say, Lord, I've got a friend at school. And they're really not doing well. Something's not right. Can you help them? Right? As they grow um, to get a little older, 10, 11, 12. Right? As we grow as Christians, we'll find the same thing happening. You know, Lord, save everybody in the world. God wants to save everybody in the world, doesn't He? To, Lord, you know, I, I'm praying for my, my, uh, my cousin. I'm praying that they get saved. And would you help them? Would you would you lead someone into their life to to help them so that they might hear the gospel? Would you give me an opportunity to share with them how they might be saved? Right. And then uh, then there's Thanksgiving. What is Thanksgiving? What, what kind of communication is that? Yeah. Gratitude. Expressing gratitude. Right. Um, and. <coughs> It's amazing that God puts these things together in one thought, right? Normally, when we give thanks, when do we give thanks? After, right? Right? 
And yet, what does, where's the thanksgiving put here? Right alongside, right? Right alongside. Now, what could that mean? There's several things that that could mean, right? Number one, it could mean that God's been doing some things already. And so we're thanking Him for that. But what else could it mean? Can we thank God for things not yet done? Now, we need to be careful about that. Some silly people say things like this. You ask God for it and you thank Him because He's going to do it. Does God have to do anything we ask Him for? No. Because we have to ask according to His will. Right? But we can be thankful to God that He's going to do His will. Right? Do we ever see anybody do that in the Scriptures? Christ, right? Not my will, but thine be done. And we can be thankful to God um, that He knows all things. He's capable of doing anything and He can answer our prayer exactly as we ask Him to. He can answer our prayer um, differently than we ask Him to and, and, and better because it will be, right? But we can be thankful to God that He is able to do those things, right? And who is the who are the requests made to? To God, God, right? God. And let your requests be made known unto God. And what in verse seven, what says what does God say will be the, the result? Alright, so he says, and the peace of God. Now where does that, how does that show itself? It, it, it gives a contrast to something previous. What is he contrasting there with? I was just going to say, he's calming you, giving you peace. As opposed to? The anxiety. Yes, exactly. Peace instead of anxiety, right? Um, being at peace. And what's special about this peace? It passes all understanding, right? It goes beyond the normal human understanding of things. Becky? I have a quick question. In contrast to be careful for nothing, the peace that passes all understanding, that, is that an act of God? Is that God's intrinsic power to allow us not to be anxious or the bending of our wills and not to be anxious? Uh, I, I, well, uh, I'm not sure if you... They mean the same thing, but but it definitely is an act of God. It's a it's a it's an act of God's grace upon our lives um, to where uh, we have peace where there shouldn't be peace. If that makes sense. Um, in other words, if we pray and God doesn't act, then what are we not going to have? We're not going to have peace, right? If we pray and God does act, what are we going to have? In other words, it's not just a, it's not a formulaic thing. We say, well, if I pray, I'll have peace. Well, we pray and God acts and we have peace. Does it make sense? Is that what you're trying to speak about? Um, in other words, have you ever nobody, known anybody who worries about everything and they say, well, I pray all the time. I pray all the time. And ask God to, to, to help me and I'm, they're never at peace. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, there's something wrong. 
Um, and, and what's wrong is God is not acting. There's something going on that key, is keeping God to bring about a supernatural peace. And it is a supernatural peace. Um, it's not, in other words, it's, it's not just some special magic words. You know, I'm really worried about something. I'm going to go to prayer and uh, God, God will give me peace. God will supernaturally work um, in our lives. And here's what it, notice what it says next. What does it say after that? And the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Alright? Um, so, what he's saying there, that word keep, is a word that has to do with being, it's like a referee. Alright? Um, if you, if you are into watching sports, um, there's referees to make sure of what? Make sure that the rules are kept, right? And if you go outside of the rules, if you're playing football, what do the refs do? They throw the flag and you get penalized, right? Ten yards. And, uh, and so what God will do is you begin to have this, this special time of prayer, this prayer life with God, um, is He's actually going to begin to lead your life by peace and lack of peace. Does that make sense? In other words, you begin to go in a direction in your life and God's, God brings anxiety into your life, allows you to be anxious. So what does that lead you to do? Pray. And in praying, what does God do? He begins to change the direction in which you're going. You know? And I've had God do this. In parenting, for example, you know, the first child always gets it the worst. So often. <laughs> and as a young parent, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank Riley. Poor Riley, I'm glad he's not here. Don't talk to him about it. I'm going to spank him. He got a lot of spankings. <laughs> he really did. But somewhere along the line, that started affecting my relationship with him and his relationship with God. And it was causing me to be anxious. <laughs> I was I was not happy. <laughs> and so I began to pray. And God said, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Spanking is part of it. But it's not all there is. Is that the way I treat you? I've known these things. <clears throat> but it wasn't the way God treated me. <laughs> it shouldn't have been the way I treated Riley. And so we changed some things and God brought peace. When I find myself wanting to discipline my children, I often pray. And God will give me peace one way or the other. Sometimes a spanking is necessary. Sometimes there's other things to do. Sometimes it's just saying, listen, that's wrong. You can't do that. And I've seen God work in all different ways of discipline. Right? Rhonda? Yes. And you do do that, but then you take it back. And I think that's where the anxiety comes from because it's not happening overnight. 
That's, that's true too. That's true too. Sometimes there's things that God's doing. And he just wants us to let him do it. Rather than being filled with, with anxiousness. Do you see how important praying is? And having a, a, a vibrant prayer life with God? In other words, if we're not praying, what is God now able to do? According to this passage. He's not able to keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, right? See how those things are connected? Without prayer, God's not able to keep our hearts and minds. And so uh, if we want God to keep us or to, to be the one who's directing our lives, what do we have to do? Pray. Right? We have to be praying and praying often. Good. Um, turn over to First Thessalonians. Let's take a look at that. Um, <clears throat> chapter 5. Start there in verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. And so, what does God want us to evermore be doing? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. To rejoice, as they often say, is a choice. We decide to... Be joyful in who God is, what He's done, what He's going to do, what we know is going to happen. Our greatest rejoicing is in what God has done in our lives and salvation. And what we know is going to happen in our lives, no matter what happens in this life, what do we know is going to happen if we've been redeemed? What do we know is going to happen? Yeah, we're going to spend eternity... With God in that wonderful place of bliss where, where what, what kind of things do we know aren't going to be in, in heaven? Yeah, we won't be sad in heaven, right? You know, we'll never be anxious in heaven, will we? We'll never be anxious in heaven. We'll have nothing to be anxious over. Um, you ever thought about this? You'll not have to lock your doors. You ever wake up in the morning and you forgot to lock the door? Suddenly, nothing happened, but you're dread. You, I forgot to lock the door. <laughs> what if some nut came in? We would all be dead. In heaven, we won't lock our doors. I'm sure there will be doors. Tears, there'll be no more tears. They'd have been all wiped away. <laughs> Right? No more disease. No more sin. And so it, is it possible to rejoice even when things aren't going wonderfully in this world? Yeah. No doubt about it. Don't believe those charlatans on TV that say everything needs to be going just right for you or something's wrong with you. That's not true. That's not true. In fact, the scripture seems to indicate if everything's going all right for you, 
and, and everything's hunky-dory, that God's not working in your life at all. And I think that's the case for a lot of these folks. But there is going to come a day where I'm not going to have any worry or concern. In fact, I'm not sure that we'll even pray in heaven. At least not in the sense of, of uh, what we've been talking about today, right? No, there won't be any casting of care upon Him. There won't be any... Uh, not having, uh, being careful about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, right? He says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Well, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? What does that mean? What does that mean? Debbie, what do you think? Don't give up until he gives you an answer. Like he gave Paul an answer, it was no, my grace is sufficient. And sometimes he makes it happen, and then so pray without ceasing. Don't don't stop praying, right? Pray. Um, I don't think it means, and I don't see how it could mean, to always be praying. Um, I don't think it could mean that. Um, if if praying means to actually ask, to supplicate. Um, then there are times, much time throughout the day where we're not, whether it's we're sleeping, um, whether it's we're learning, right? Um, even if you've been praying while we're learning today, there's also times where your brain is not praying, your mind isn't praying, your heart's not praying, you're learning, right? And so if it doesn't mean to always be praying, because I think that's an impossibility, um, what does it mean? What do you think it means? Sure. So, so everything that we do has been prayed for. Uh, I think that, that may be part of it. Um, even though we're not praying right now, we've already prayed for it. And so we've already gotten, we've already prayed for that particular thing. Um, and now we're doing it. And so we're not praying for it, but we've already prayed for it. Becky? Yeah. Don't have a big chunk of time without praying, right? Definitely. I think that that's in, uh, involved in that idea. Gary? Even when things don't go the way you expect them to go, keep praying. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Even when things are not exactly the way you want them to be, keep praying. Definitely. Um, I, I think it also means to be ready to pray. Be ready to pray when it's time to pray. Right? Something comes up and... God brings to your mind something to pray for. Um, you know, if as you're hearing preaching and God brings something and, and maybe uh, brings something directly to you, um, that's a good time to, to start communicating with God, right? You may not hear what I'm saying over the next couple of minutes, but you're taking that to the Lord, right? Does that make sense? You're ready to pray and, and bring something to God. And I think that's a good practice. It's something that I've found myself, find myself doing often when I'm, when I hear someone preaching and, and God brings something particular for me. Um, bringing it right to the Lord and asking Him to, to take care of that or to help me to remember to do something or, or to change my life in a particular way. Right? 
You know, God, by the Holy Spirit, speaks to you directly about a particular thing. Speak back to Him. You know, we often, we, I don't know if often is a word, we always have a time at the end where we're quiet. What is that time for? It's to speak to God, to pray, right? But you don't have to wait to the end. <laughs> you don't have to wait to the end. You can do that before the end comes, right? Peter? I think that um, praying without ceasing also means not necessarily always being in formal prayer or always like or regularly engaging in formal prayer. Like, you know, just, I think it's just having the presence of God in your mind and in your heart throughout the day. Yeah. As you see things or come across things or whatever, I mean, just you're about and you, I don't know, just see someone that you clearly means the Lord and, and you don't, and you just like, just, I don't think it means you have to be bowing your head, closing your eyes every minute of the day. You can be praying well, I don't know, you just go along the side of the road and you see someone just had a car that broke down. Exactly. Have a thought to God that, that it, it helped them or whatever. Yeah. You come across someone that said something really vile and, Offensive, and you just, you know, again, you're not necessarily bowing your head at that very moment. And right. Doing a formal prayer. So I think there's formal prayer, like they talked about. Yeah. I think, I think the prayer without ceasing it means the just throughout the day, just yeah. Having thought to, to communicate, you don't have to be, you know, closing your eyes and opening your mouth and pray to God. Right. You don't have to. Yeah. You can do it just with your eyes open and just. I think that. God from your heart. You know, not being limited to. Yeah, not being limited to your your daily prayer time. Now, I'm not saying don't have don't not have a daily prayer time or however you're supposed to say that, but not being limited to it. Right. You know, you see an accident on the side of the road. Well, I guess I don't need, I'm not going to pray for that because I've already had my daily prayer time. Right. But, but pray is as you go by. Right. Debbie. Sure. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. You may you may find yourself praying all day at a particular time, and then getting up and eating, and and uh, moving forward, and being ready to pray at another part in the day for something else. You may pray for one thing for a long time, and and then finish, and and then pray for another thing at another part of the day. But being ready to pray. And, and pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Turn over to Hebrews chapter four, and we'll we'll close. There is a a uh, a worksheet in your your workbook on the physical uh, the the actual physical uh, what we might do in praying, whether bowing or head or. Bowing fully down to the ground, but also the uh, the spiritual uh, condition of our life as well. And so, I encourage you to look at that. But I I do want you to look there in Hebrews chapter four, in verse sixteen. Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so what is God telling us to do here? What is God telling us to do here? 
Come boldly, right? Where, where does he want us to come? Right? We, he wants us to come to where his throne is. Right? To come to where his throne is. Now, there's, there's figurative language, but it's not just figurative, is it? Because there is a reality of coming into God's throne room or where his throne is. We don't actually go there physically, but we do go before his presence literally. Right? That makes sense? But he wants us to go to where his throne is. Come boldly under the throne of grace. Right? And so, his throne where he gives grace. Now, remember, why did people go to throne rooms of kings in the past? To ask for something, right? To ask for the king to do something that only the king could do. What are some examples of that in the scripture? Gail? Esther, Esther, right? Going before the king. Now she was afraid because if the king didn't raise his rod, what would happen? She'd get her head cut off. She'd die, right? Now, God tells us to come how? Boldly. Now, she went boldly not because of her trust in the king, but in who? In the king of kings, right? And we can come boldly. Why can we come boldly into God's throne room? What's that? We're adopted. That's right. We're part of his family. We've had all our sins forgiven. We can come boldly because of what Christ did for us. And what do, what is, what are we looking for? What are we trying to receive? There's two words there. What are we receiving as we, uh, in coming to that throne room and asking? Mercy and grace. Mercy is the pity of God upon someone who's lowly. Grace is the supernatural working of God in our lives to be able to do and experience things that we wouldn't normally be able to do or experience. God's supernatural work in our lives to be able to do something or be part of something, to experience something. In other words, without God's supernatural work, we wouldn't be able to do it. Does that make sense? God's supernatural work so that we can do it. And that's what we come to the throne for. For His grace and His mercy. For His grace and mercy for us individually. And His grace and mercy for others as well. Right? Who are some people that God wants us to pray for? What's that, Gary? He wants us to pray for our enemies. That's right. Pray for what? Grace and mercy for them. Grace and mercy that they would have that God would have pity upon them for they are lowly and grace if they are not saved that they'd be saved if they are saved that there'd be some reconciliation in the relationship. It's good. Our enemies. Who else? Our pastor, pray for me. Is that what you said? Yeah, pray for me. Pray for me. Our kids, definitely. Our kids, pray for our kids. Debbie. What about ourselves? Yeah, God wants us to pray for ourselves. I met a man, a young man, he was struggling. He said, I don't like to pray for myself. (laughs) Because I, 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 
I just don't think that's right. And I said, well, listen, you're, you need to be careful not to be proud. Because to not pray is to say that I don't need anything from God. And that's not a good thing. We need many, many things. We need more than we know we need. In fact, we actually need more than what we'll pray for. Isn't that true? But who knows what we need? God knows what we need. The scripture says the Holy Spirit prays for us. Did you know that? And Jesus prays for us. Did you know that? He ever maketh intercession for his saints. Now, does this mean that we don't pray? No, but it does mean that if we don't pray for it because we don't know or not thinking or or we just we didn't know we needed to pray for it. Who's already praying for us? The Holy Spirit and Jesus. What else? Who else do we pray for? Yeah, our neighbors. Yeah, our neighborhood people we know. We can pray for strangers in their time of need. Our president, we need to pray for our leaders, right? We need to pray for our leaders. Kings and all in authority. Our nation. Our nation, absolutely. We need to pray for our nation. It's good. It's good. We need to pray for our family members. People we sit in the pews with. Revival. Yeah, revival, amen. May God help us to be praying. Amen. How can we pray? What are some ways in which we pray? We'll close. I'll start us off. We can pray by ourselves. Right? How else? As a congregation. We can pray together. As a whole congregation. We can pray together. Two or more. Right? We can pray with our our spouse, or we can pray with a friend. We can pray before um, we do something with people. I'm having some guys over on Wednesday. Um, we're going to play games. But they know we're going to pray. <laughs> we're going to pray together. That's a good thing to do. You get together with a, you know, a, a stop over at George's place. We don't always, but um, when it's appropriate and he's not... George is always ready to stop his work, to talk and, and pray. And so that's, that's no excuse for me. But, but uh, sometimes there's customers and we don't, I don't stop to pray. But we'll sometimes stop and pray just because we're together as Christians, right? I need to do that more. People come in and want to chat for a little bit. Just they see my car out there and they just want to stop in and say hi. And I really should say, let's pray together before you go. And pray together. I think that's a good thing to do. Amen. Ed? Pray with your children. children. Yeah, pray with your children. That's good. You know, it's good to have family time of prayer, but it's also good to pray. I've got five kids. It's good for me to pray just me and and Riley, just me and Lily, just me and Chloe, just me and Avery, right? Or mom and, and, and the kids. That's true. Good. May God help us. I'm not sure there will be a revival if we're not praying. May God help us to pray. We have a great God who's able to do great things. And he's, he's wants us to pray. Father, thank you for this time. Pray, we pray. We pray with the disciples. Teach us to pray. Not just how to pray. I think really we know how to pray. 
But we, we want you to teach us to pray. To actually be praying people. Help us in these things. Bless us, Lord. And we pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.